the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In the Roman Empire, you could believe whatever you wanted, as long as you were willing to say, Caesar is Lord. And that's where the, the problem came in for many Christians. They knew that Caesar wasn't Lord, Jesus was Lord. And today, our teacher, Pastor Leighton Sheely, is going to take a look specifically at the uh, Christians in Colossae, the ones that Paul wrote about in his uh, book to the Colossians. I'm Mike Trout. This is a broadcast we call Study Verse by Verse, a daily visit from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. We have a couple of websites. The church's website is highlands.us, and this ministry can be found on the web at studyversebyverse.com. We're beginning a new message in this series on Colossians, and as usual, Pastor Layton starts with just a bit of an overview. And uh, like many Christians today, those believers in Colossae were fond of mixing the truths of Christ with ideas from the surrounding culture uh, that got them off track. Some fell into legalism, others fell into licentiousness, using the grace of God as a uh, a way of uh, giving license for continuing sin. Uh, The doctrines of the faith were mingled. The integrity of the gospel was compromised, and it became difficult to differentiate Christianity from any other religion. That was an age of religious pluralism. We live in an age of pluralism where people believe all religions are basically the same. What's true for you may or may not be true for me. One religion is just as good as another, and Jesus was not Lord. And to that... Colossians says loud and clear, Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, true Christianity is all about Jesus Christ. There are, there, there, there are things called Christianity, but they're not true Christianity if they're not all about Jesus Christ. Jesus is supreme. He is preeminent. He is of first importance. Everything revolves around him. True Christianity is all about Christ Jesus. And that's because Jesus is unique, because Jesus is God incarnate. The word incarnate means in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh who came to reconcile mankind with God by making peace through his death on the cross. The supremacy, the preeminence of Christ is the theme of Colossians. The author, the apostle Paul says again and again, keep your eyes on Jesus And don't get caught up in man-made religions and traditions and pleasing people and observing religious festivals and stuff. These might have an appearance of wisdom, but they really have no value. Instead, set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God. No other book of the New Testament declares more fully or defends more thoroughly the lordship of Christ Jesus. Now, our study today is going to begin at verse 24, but I'd like to begin reading at verse 15 because that is uh, referenced in our passage of study today. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, 
whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all of creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery, hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Now we're going to study our, we're going to begin our study at verse 24, and, and we studied this verse in greater depth last week. That sermon's available online at highlands.us. But I'm going to, it's a part of, it integrates with what we're, we're learning today, and so I, I want to try to summarize uh, what we learned last week. It says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, the church. And the word here now is more than a, a transition as though it's introducing a new subject. What it's saying is what I'm about to say is related to what I have just said. The two are connected. Because of who Christ is and what Christ has done, Paul was able now to rejoice in circumstances that would not normally call for rejoicing. You see, he was in prison, and those prisons were not a place anyone wanted to be. And he could rejoice because he was sharing in the fellowship of Christ's suffering. Christ suffered for the church and gave the ultimate sacrifice, and he forewarned that his followers would also suffer. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus promised that there was a special blessing and reward for those believers who faithfully suffer for the sake of Christ. He said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so Paul was rejoicing because of the great 
reward that he was looking forward to. And then the verse continues, And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church. And as we noted last week, these words have evoked a great amount of discussion and debate over the centuries in the church because some have interpreted the afflictions of Christ as Christ's redemptive sufferings and then used that assumption as a basis for suggesting that Christ's atonement is lacking or defective or deficient or incomplete and that somehow or other we as saints have to kind of add to or supplement Christ's sufferings. And we learned, and it's important to know and remember, that there are different kinds of suffering. Dr. J. Burnham McGee wrote, there are two kinds of suffering. There's ministerial suffering, and there's mediatorial suffering. Ministerial, mediatorial. Christ's suffering for us was mediatorial. The sufferings of Paul were not mediatorial. Paul makes this clear in 2 Timothy 2.5. He said, for there is one God and there is one mediator. One, only one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There was no mediatorial merit because Paul suffered. Paul has just been talking about, he's been praising Christ for reconciling all things to himself because of the cross. He's, he's, he, is, he understands that, that the redemptive work is finished, it is completed, it is perfect, that nothing remains to be done. Only the sinless, spotless Lamb of God could die for the sins of the world. The word in the original language that's translated afflictions here refers to the struggles or the pressures of life. It's never used in the New Testament for the sacrificial sufferings of Christ Jesus. It's the sufferings that happen in life. And so Paul is making the point here that a Christian is going to endure the sufferings that Christ would be enduring if Christ was still physically present in this world. Remember what Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Because the servant is not greater than the master, and the world has not changed its hostility towards God and Christ, Christians can expect no better treatment than Christ Jesus received. Suffering is part of the calling of being a Christian. Now today, most people view pain and suffering as a curse, and they resent it when it invades their life, and they make every effort to avoid it. But this kind of suffering should be a cause for rejoicing because it does not mean that Christ and his kingdom is losing ground, but rather that he is gaining you see, Paul saw Christian suffering as part of the process of toppling this present evil age. The suffering of Christians is not senseless, it's not meaningless, but it has meaning and purpose in the grand scheme of things. Paul's suffering is connected not mediatorially, but ministerially to his ministry of preaching the gospel to a world that is hostile to the gospel. Verse 25 of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. He refers to stewardship, which is a position of responsibility. It's an office. It's also a task. 
that God appointed Paul to this position for the benefit of the entire church, of which the Colossians were a part, and it was God's commission. Paul wrote to the Galatians, Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Christ Jesus and God the Father. You know, if you find it difficult to go through a book of the Bible, too, just spend some time studying the Bible every single day. This is a great place for you to visit regularly with us. This is Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Pastor Layton is obviously in the book of Colossians at the moment, and we will continue throughout the rest of this week with this particular study. And if you've missed any of the previous studies, they're on the web at studyversebyverse.com. Church of the Highlands is on the web at highlands.us, and I would particularly like to draw your attention to all of the outreaches they have for young children and teenagers. You can find those details under the Youth and Children heading on the website. That's Church of the Highlands on the web at highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Be back tomorrow if you can when Pastor Layton will once again open the Word of God to the book of Colossians and we'll spend a few minutes studying verse by verse.